5000, the official podcast of 1900hotdog.com, the comedy hilarity website. I'm TV Sean Baby from the internet, and this is how I talk at the start of every show, and it sucks, and I'm sorry. With me, as always, Robert Brockway! And Robert Brockway! I'm going to talk like (laughs) this, too, so you don't feel alone. Thank you. Fart sound. Brockway fact. I've committed a felony with Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No follow-up questions. All right, no follow-up questions. Well, um, joining us today... Uh, someone who would describe himself as a professional podcast guest, uh, uh, but a renowned author and cracked legend, Jason Pargin. I cannot Welcome. match your energy for the show. I did not know this is what I was going to, I always, I, I, I just can't do it. This is you always why skip I, ahead five or six minutes in when I, when I give up on it. <laughs> I just got just to gotta power through. Yeah. So this is why in college, when I did radio for like one semester, it did sports for their like their morning show i couldn't i couldn't keep up the energy i don't have that i don't have morning i don't have morning sports radio energy especially in the morning and i will admit i admire all of the douchebags that that did (laughs) yeah shout out to the douchebags yeah i can sort of generate it uh it's one of the reasons i don't do cocaine is because i'm just fucking insufferable like i'm already pretty bad but like filled with cocaine like it's that fucking welcome to the dog zone 9000 energy and I can't stop it. I watch myself <laughs> doing it. I can't stop it. So uh, do the kids do these cocaine. days still do like the morning zoo radio host? Do that cocaine? I was just yeah, the on. kids do cocaine. <laughs> no, kids love it. do those morning radio hosts. Does that still exist in the era of Spotify and all that? I know radio is still a thing, God, but is that I, still like an industry? Like they all got wacky. It must be, yes. but I, I can't, I can't imagine even hearing it. It's still on the radio. Like, I, I mostly just listen to the radio in the car because my phone sucks and doesn't want to do Bluetooth, right? So I gave up, and I'll, I'll just listen to, like, Classic Rock Station. And the Classic Rock guys are still exactly Classic Rock guys. They have That's not fantastic. changed. They have not acknowledged a single thing. Nothing has changed in the river of time for them. They're still just... <laughs> you they could still... put them back in 1975, and they'd be doing the same thing. Do they still That's talk the over the first part of the song? Yes, they do. And the last. They'll come in over the last Yeah, they'll come in early. Yeah, because as soon as the lyrics end, it's like, well, they're... Yeah, that's the point. Nobody wants to hear the guitar solo that ends this song, the classic guitar solo that... Like, so it's like, all right, it's it's Boner and the Hound in the morning back with, with Rocktober... Fart sound. Yeah, and they had the soundboard with fart sounds. I okay. I if I, I'm gonna have you to. You know, go we could take up. this from the top and do a, a bit where that's just how we do the entire podcast. <laughs> We promise we can't do that. My voice can't do that. Jason's energy can't do that. Okay, at least one of us needs cocaine to do it, we've right. been told. So there'd have to be a break there where... Cocaine puts me straight to sleep. I just, I can't match that energy. <laughs> that doesn't sound like good cocaine. Maybe not. You might have been tricked. It's entirely possible that the kind of people I buy cocaine from were not on the level. Uh, what I'd like to talk about today is... Sort of the basic concept of lying under the framework of an article I did for the site called uh, Charles Fitzgerald Moonball Cop. And, Greatest title uh, ever written. You'll never beat it. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, I peaked already and that's fine. Uh, so this was a dude, I, I found him in a 1940s comic book. And at that point, uh, he'd already been like, this was 30 year old news. It was just a guy who had a million jobs as a stuntman and as a cop and an air cop. And uh, a, a racer, a car racer, and a uh, a boxer, and uh, 
he wanted to get launched to the moon in a ball. And so I was like, I'm just gonna write an article about this guy. And um, obviously, the source of my material was just a comic book page that wasn't even an ad for anything. It was just sometimes in old Golden Age comics, there'll be a page of just some guy who like ran really fast or, you know, punched out a pigeon or something like that. You never know what they will honor just in the middle of a comic book for no reason. And uh, so the, the facts didn't seem solid. So I did a lot of research. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you you laugh, but like uh, it seemed like within the realm of possibility for some of them. And in fact, some of them were so mundane that it's just like he was a produce dealer and a cigar store clerk. And he killed a man in the boxing ring. You and throw he, in that filler yeah. to throw him off. Yeah. Well, see, that's, I guess. Go ahead, Jason. I find this guy absolutely fascinating for two separate reasons. One, because of the life he did live, like the things that can, mm-hmm. I guess, be verified. And then for his embellishments and the way, like this, the specific phrasing of the way he told his stories, he is yeah. so full of crap. Yeah, it absolutely. is amazing. But it's almost like he didn't have to embellish you know, he had a pretty good story. It, so that's why I love this guy. I love this personality type. I've known people like this. Yeah, I, I love the guy's, what the guy's name is, Charles Fitzgerald, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was uh, so great. easy to just be like a professional liar. I miss that. <laughs> I, I Of all the things the internet has taken away from us, I miss the profession of liar. You could See, just, that's... Okay. I was going to make the point that I think Jason's making, that you kind of still can do it. You can, but it's not as fantastic. It's not. It's not like fun anymore. Like when I, I feel was like a it was kid, fun before. I had a. I had a. In elementary school, I had a classmate who claimed he had a hole in his yard that led straight to hell. <laughs> like there was now, no way to no way to dispute that. You had to just then, believe him there or was, see it. Unless you showed up at his house, there was no way. Like, and I yeah. think you guys probably you you went to school with like the class, like the liar, right? The kid that claimed of his course. uncle worked at Nintendo and he got all the consoles yeah. earlier, but he couldn't show them to you because they're secret. Sure, or he'd have to kill you. So does that kid exist now? Is it just not a thing? Because anybody can instantly Google. The name of the guy who runs Nintendo, like, is that you've kid got just... the answer in your pocket, like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. What's his name? We'll look up his Twitter account. I feel like they still exist, and I think the main reason uh, I think that is just like uh, I don't want to talk about this for long, but Donald Trump, like, like here's a guy who literally lied eighty to ninety percent of the things he said, and he's not only like successful, but like kind of worshipped by this weird percentage of the population that just believe everything he says sort of and i feel like unless there's like an engine unless there's a massive media engine backing you with like a sinister reason and agenda to twist all of these lies into something right you have to pass they should believe you need an engine behind it like there's that kid i think is fucked now like unless unless you unless you start the engine early unless he's (laughs) got a grade school lie engine building I think the point Sean was going to make is that people wanted to believe those lies, right? So yeah. as the kid, you almost have to have be in a case where they want to believe what you're saying. Yeah, like that that helps a lot. I also feel like a lot of people uh, instinctively just sort of play devil's advocate to everything. So if somebody says uh, some outlandish lie, like I have a hole to hell in my backyard, obviously most people are like, well, that's fucking stupid. You're an idiot. But then some people are like, well, you can't. 
there's a possibility there's a hole to hell, or maybe he thinks it's a hole to hell, and it's actually just like a hole to some lava. It could be and a like, burning sinkhole. They do have those in Centralia. <laughs> right. This is and just a confused child, ill-informed about the nature of hell. <laughs> and there's some people that find a lie to be sort of a, a fun puzzle to sort of decode, to turn it into what is close enough to truth, I guess. And, and so I think a liar can be successful if he gets near enough people like that. Just got to find his people. If that makes sense. But back in the days of Charles Fitzgerald, like even the news media, you couldn't verify anything. Like there was no, there were no databases or even paper records of anything back then. You could just say anything. Yeah. And I I did a lot of research about this guy. Uh, I couldn't find a whole lot, obviously, because it was like from 1910 to 1915 when a lot of this happened. But uh, someone on our discord actually, uh, tracked it down a little bit and they found him, uh, he was registered with some circus. And so that sort of explained why he was off the grid because we couldn't find him in any censuses. I don't know how he died. I think he died on the moon or he's still alive somewhere. Circus uh, accident. Be, yeah. He, it was probably just really mundane. He fell in a septic tank or something, but like he, uh, he wasn't on any, um, what do you call it? The, the obituaries. And I, I discovered during my research that that, that industry has completely been taken over by like boomer grifters. And so when you'd like lurk, look for someone's obituary, it's like looking for like a, a Nintendo ROM or something. Like you just get hundreds of like phishing sites, like, Oh, come here and pay us your a dollar to verify your credit card, uh, to like look up obituaries. So that's really difficult research to do. Uh, and that fucking sucked. And Damn, I had to throw that computer they- away. They rommed the obituaries. I didn't even realize the rom thing until like last year when I would, I don't even remember what the game was, but I was like, let's play Blaster Master. I haven't played that in years. <laughs> and I went and looked and like, what? why is this like this? Why does the internet not work as good as it used to? <laughs> right. Yeah, they, they they know that old people look for obituaries. And, and roms. Roms now. And where they love old school Nintendo. <laughs> and That's our obituary grift is, is roms. <laughs> Just circling back for a moment, the whole deal with this guy, for people who didn't see the original column, which I assume is some of the listeners, is this guy has this long resume of incredible stunts, like that he really shouldn't have survived. Yeah, we'll go through them, but the point is his, and then his history just abruptly stops. Yeah, and so the article, the whole thing is that he just apparently vanished from the universe. And so the the joke was like, well, what. What did this guy actually do he that finally, you. not only did he not come back from it, but nobody knows about it. Right. Because he told everybody about everything. Uh, and he'd clearly been trying to die for like 20 years straight. He was like, wildly uh, unsuccessful at it. <laughs> uh, it says he started at age 19. He was a Texas Ranger. Uh, we did not find any record of that, which is very suspicious because there is records of Texas Rangers. Uh Oh, really? I assumed that was the kind of thing back in the day where you could just be like, hey, I'm a Texas Ranger. And people would be like, yep, you are now. You said it. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Here's the badge and the gun. That's the application is saying it out loud. The the guy in our Discord did actually find records of that. And um, there was a whole lot of names that were not his from that era. And so that one is probably the first lie. And then uh, as the story goes, it's just a lot of mundane jobs. Like he was a clerk and a cow puncher and all that. Um, which cow is not. I love that cow puncher is mundane. <laughs> it's just a reg- regular cow puncher. You, you walk up and you punch the cows. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, no, it's that. That means cowboy. If you're not as country as me, uh, 
He also became a boxer and his boxing story is really funny and probably filled with lies where he knocked the dude out just fucking instantly, right? And then uh, while he was celebrating, I guess they liked him in the bar. And so someone threw a bottle at his head and then knocked him out. And so he's like, okay, I got to get out of this boxing gig. But then his manager died because he got hit by a train. And uh, if it's okay, I would ask you to read the clipping that details that or I can because I have it in front of me. Oh, if you have it handy, please. <clears throat> this is from I don't know what publication this was from where you found this. This is scanned from a newspaper or somebody who profiled him. After he knocked down an opponent at a sporting club twice and had him sitting on the floor, the spectators, he says, decided he wasn't to win. And here we're <laughs> going to quote Adventure Cop. A pop bottle flew up and kissed me on the chin. And while my opponent was taking the count, I took it too and went off into slumberland. The way he talked, then his manager was killed by a train. <laughs> Long Island City and Fitzgerald decided for this and other reasons to quit the ring for good. And other reasons. There, so are, there this, are other reasons. I, I don't, again, I, I don't like to glorify the past as I've made very clear in my other appearances that this was a time when you could be in a conversation with someone and they would just say, well, when relaying an anecdote to you, uh, yeah, then he threw a, a pop bottle flip and kissed me on the chin and I took a trip into slumberland. And that was just the way people said things. <laughs> right. And also that, like, my manager died. <laughs> right. Hit by a it train. Betrays, it betrays so much rehearsal of that story when you like have the whole, hey, it popped me on the chin and slumberland for me, kid. It, like you've, You've practiced this story in the mirror, buddy. Like, come on. Also, I do if people have do go to see your column, see the actual scan of the comic that they drew of this guy's life story. Just it's all just piled into a single panel. The yeah. image of that fight, they portray him. He's shirtless, obviously, in the boxing ring, and they portray him as like having no musculature at all. <laughs> yeah, which is what really strong men back then looked like. Like, I do not doubt that Charles Fitzgerald, if we brought him into present, that he could kick your ass, John. He would look like a, like a clerk, like somebody in a That guy spent store. 90% of his 90% of his life in a body cast. I think I could take him. <laughs> well, not, not in that era. Time it right. At the time of this fight. Yeah. This, this is before he broke every bone in his body 78 times. But I'm just saying people back then were, like, made of something different. But they yeah, didn't they look just like spent it. all day fighting. Like he did not with his shirt off. He does not look like Chris Pratt does now in his movies. That if he and Chris Pratt were to fight, I I know which one of them would die. Nah, yes. them's showing muscles. Them <laughs> them's ain't using muscles. He came from a barbaric, uncivilized time. It's it. it's, it's watching not, him destroy a man would would. Would be unusual. Would you be like, that's like a wild bear at a time when you didn't have machines to help you do anything, like. Like you, you, like the random jobs you took, whatever on the railroad, uh, like just routinely required you to lift things that weighed two hundred pounds. You weren't doing it to look good at the beach. You were doing it because that's that's how you were going to make your five cents a month. And all with you your get back, ass. just your lower back. Yep. If you wanted to stump out of your yard, you had to use your teeth. If you want to stump out of your yard, not, you could literally go down to the hardware store and buy dynamite and blow it up. That's. That's true. And that was an and you're, era not when you glorif- could, you're not glorifying the past here. <laughs> Three, four children would die. It didn't matter. But yeah, I my my dad used to tell me stories and that at the farm and they had to get stumps out. You just go get go get dynamite. Just just in a little basket by the counter. That's awesome. Right We've next to like the nine little days. cocaine. 
we would just slowly chainsaw chunks off of it for like an entire year. See, we've, it, we've it devolved. Was, yeah, we could have used some dynamite is my point. Uh, so let's keep going with this guy's uh, crate. We, we covered his boxing and how his, his manager got killed by the train. And then there's some other reasons. He didn't tell about the other reasons. He's like, you know, that, that one that one assault from the crowd and my manager exploding. Uh, you know, some other stuff. But that's why I don't box anymore. Uh, so he said he was the first to stand on top of a plane while it did a loop. And he, this sounds crazy, right? He's unassisted standing on a biplane while it does a full loop. And he, he invented this. Apparently he said that he did the studies. Um, and what were those studies? Well, what he did is he, he took a, a can from his landlady. Uh, what kind of can was this, Jason? The kind he says you used to rush the growler with. <laughs> yeah, you know, so the you rush the growler with it. Now, you looked that up. As sexual as it? that sounds, it merely means what growler means now. It means that you, would, you used to be able to bring your can to the bar because you were so poor that they would just put some beer in the can and you would just leave with it. And that was right. And it was like an old tin can from from can a, of beer. But the the detail that he includes, he had to borrow a can from his landlady. Yeah, <laughs> didn't own a can. It. Didn't have a, even the can used as the symbol of like destitution. Like, oh, I didn't have a can. <laughs> oh, I love it. So he put a bean on this can borrowed and a string on the can. And he had to borrow the bean and the string. And then he swung it around and the bean stayed on the can. And he's like, all right. So the, he, he's much now different proven from that bean. centripetal force or centrifugal. I, I, I'm one of them is imaginary. Do you know, I think centrifugal is the one that doesn't technically exist. It's an illusion we created. I don't think that's, to, I don't think it's a podcast for that. It doesn't beans? matter. Yes, because you're not actually going in a circle. Your body wants to keep going in a straight line, but because the right. surface under your feet is curving up, there's no such thing as a force that presses outward. It's your body just wanting to go in a straight line, which is how a slingshot works. So sure. it's an imaginary force, but ir utterly irrelevant to this discussion. <laughs> Can you sure. prove this and with some kind of string and bean <laughs> well, I like that he didn't know this force existed and did not trust any, any textbook telling him it existed until he yeah, saw he explained it, it with yeah. his own eyes. And I'm trying to imagine what... That's could, just solid bean science right there. <laughs> what else could, have, could that bean have done that would have changed his mind? Because... There was nothing between the bean experiment and him renting a plane and a pilot, correct? Like right. He went directly. Exactly. <laughs> and according to him, again, a known liar, he said that he he hired a a, a pilot who just didn't know what the fuck he was going to do because he didn't want this man to be responsible for his death because he was <laughs> sure he was going to die. So he like Craigslisted a guy that wouldn't ask any questions, just meet me on the field in a, in a biplane. I'm going to stay on the wing and just just do a loop. Don't look at me. Don't ask any questions. Um, this is like the eighth guy he's killed that way. He doesn't have any questions left. Like, yeah, I've seen this before. <laughs> yeah, another one of these bean guys. Now, the scan of this event from the comic, it is a drawing of him standing on top of the plane and then a note under it. And do you remember what the note to the right of the plane? Yes, it says, from a photo with a period. <laughs> Which is... Okay, is it though? Because I, I, I haven't seen that photo. Because yeah, this I is around. a photo that would have to be taken from another plane flying alongside it, correct? Yes. So I, I feel like there's two lies going on here. Imagine being this good. 
this good at lying where you could say you could just tell them like a magazine wanting to publish a story about you you'd be like okay i got a photo i don't have the photo i'm going to describe it to you i have a picture that was drawn from the photo (laughs) and that is proof because this is all from a photo (laughs) it's just amazing so um he does this trick, right? Theoretically, he he does a loop on a plane. And already that's amazing, right? Like, I Googled this. I don't think I found anything that, that qualified as proof that this exists other than in this one story. Um, but he also adds to the story that the plane stalls out. Like, halfway through the loop, something fucks up. And, like, the, the kid pilot does, isn't smart enough to, like, lean on the plane the right way. And so he has to do it like while he's upside down, clinging on with just like beam science, he's like pushing the plane with one foot to like restart it so it can finish the loop. Like that's that's in a newspaper. That's pure old timey stump strength right there. I we could spend the rest of the podcast just discussing the stunt this guy claimed he did. (laughs) Yes. There are so many layers to this. Okay, for one. Is any part of this true, including the bean thing? Like, what? Like, <laughs> right. obviously, some of it, at some point, it becomes a lie. But I could not tell you with a gun to my head how much of this did he intend to do it? Did he do something kind of like it? Did he do something on a plane, but not this? Well, I actually contacted a place that does aerial stunts. Like, you could, as a tourist, you can like strap yourself to a plane and do this exact stunt. And I asked, and I asked them, him, can I do this? Could you, you, could do, you do this without a rope? Would it work? And the guy got back to me. He says, yeah, we asked around and people say it's probably possible. But he did not say, sure, people have done this before. Like this is, it's not my bad Googling. Say, you want to try it? it didn't uh, turn I'll up. meet you in a field. Because again, yes. this, this guy does not claim to have trained for a year at different stages to uh, work his way up to this. Like first I'm going to try to just get on the wing. Then I'll try to get on the wing while it's curving a little bit. Then I'll try to, And right. he, he just claimed, like, tried it, can, bean, rented a plane that night. Boom. Like, bean oh, to suicide. Worked. One step. <laughs> Didn't even try it with a rope one time. Didn't try it with a bigger bean or anything? Just, yeah, try, nope. try, try it 30 or 40 times with a safety harness and then finally do it without the harness. No. Right. No. Just straight to that. Uh, so that's the kind of guy he is. And so obviously I didn't want to debunk a lot of the story because uh, I think this is completely awesome, um, especially that he restarted the plane. Uh, uh, the joke I make here is that after this, he should have been made captain of the skies. And he very literally was made captain of the air police in uh, New York City, which I looked at this uh, up. It see, was... ain't that always the way? I mean, you sell out, you become the villain, you you get this job yep. by doing a, a loop on a plane and then you spend the rest of your life stopping other rad dudes from doing loops on planes. <laughs> well, the, the air police at the time was like a volunteer position and all they had was one biplane and it got shut down like a year later. Like it was just like this weird ex- failed experiment because I don't know what crime you fight with one biplane in New York City. In an era um, when no one else has a plane. Yeah. There's no crime happening in the sky so at best you can fly around and look for crime far below you but you have no instruments that's going to let you detect anything well, so this hold was- on. but if the other if the one other guy that owned a plane in the country was a dick you would need by necessity yeah. you would need a plane to stop him you need a good plane if he has a bad plane it really only takes one plane 
But the, this if Charles was real, Fitzgerald though. was above a crime, and he saw the crime from his plane. There's zero chance he wouldn't jump out of that plane and try to land on that crime. Like he crashes that plane day one. Yeah, that's what happened. So okay, but this is one where we do have a photo. Like he, this this is the role we know that he. This part is true that he was the sky cop. In New York? I, th- I think so, yes. We, we couldn't find an official record. New York City's Sky Police. But there is a picture of him in a police uniform, and he's, like, jumping around on, like, girders. He's dangling from a girder what looks like hundreds and hundreds of feet above the city. Okay, yeah, right. They're... Why did we assume planes? Nobody said planes. He was made the policeman <laughs> of the sky. He just had to go up and, like, hang off something. I'm the policeman of this. Chimpanzees swing around like Tarzan. It's like anything over 50 feet in the air, even if it's in a building, that's the sky. Mm-hmm. It's the sky territories. So, okay. See, again, we could also do the entire podcast about this photo of him because he, someone was this, the newspaper that photographed him. Did he hire a photographer? Did, I, was this a photo shoot that the police department did as like a publicity thing to boast that they had hired a sky captain whose only experience, he had no policing experience. And then his only experience with flight was having someone else fly a plane while he stood on top of it against, which is an act that is, I believe already against the law at that time. (laughs) Probably. So like everything about this is amazing. Cause I don't know. Again, this is partially has to be a somewhat partially untrue to some degree, or maybe not. I don't... Put a bean on that rafter, and it stayed there, so he knew it was safe. <laughs> and then again, we yeah, have I... to read a clipping that is also magic. In the spring of 1915, he went in for aviation and not only devised new ideas for airplanes, but was successful in flying until September 5th, 1917, when he fell. <laughs> <laughs> he was successful until he wasn't. So was this prior to him? He, that was This was while he was in the... A sky, a sky aviation cop, right? I, I think so, yes. The timeline, um, I tried to li- uh, line it all up. It does not work. No. Like, <laughs> he spends far too much time in a body cast for any of this to work. And there's a lot of crossover between like the years he claimed he did something and the years newspapers claimed he did something. Uh, Just every but, time you cut him out of the body cast. Hot damn, time to do something stupid. I've been thinking about it all year. Yeah, because it's this true. Is, he he could have done some of this in a body cast. Like there's... There's no reason he could have been in a body cast while he did the plane loop. Yeah, there's one here about like a car stunt. Uh, he could be in a body cast for that. He was probably <laughs> in a body cast for that. There was there's one stunt he did that I loved so much where he was on a plane. I think this was for a movie, so it might theoretically be verifiable. I couldn't do it, uh, but he jumped off the plane going, uh, I don't know, 70 miles an hour, I think they said, and he hit the ocean and just got fucking wrecked because you can't fall into the ocean going that speed. But like nobody I guess knew they that were... before he tried it. <laughs> yeah, they, Everybody was they like, didn't it's have, the ocean, it's soft. They didn't have good fall in the ocean science back then, so they thought he hit the bottom. The newspaper reported like, oh, he must have hit the bottom. That's how he got so injured. <laughs> the bottom <laughs> just... of the ocean. Of the ocean. Straight to the bottom, just like a, like a fucking torpedo. It's okay. Let me... Uh, it, t- <laughs> All right, to back up, to the, the issue with the overlap is actually in this clipping. I'm going to read this clipping that we have from his time as an aviation cop that Sean, the scan from, I guess, a microfiche that he found. In the spring of 1915, he went in for aviation and not only devised new ideas for airplanes, 
that, that part of it's that one sentence never comes back to that. Not only devised <laughs> new ideas for airplanes, but was successful in flying until September 5th, 1917, when he fell, comma, still mm-hmm. going. This, this sentence is still happening. Receiving severe injuries, which kept him in the hospital for nearly a year. I want you to think about how much ground was covered in that one <laughs> sentence. Yeah. He learned to fly, invented new types of airplane, fell out of a plane, was in the hospital for a year. Next sentence in this two-sentence clipping. While he was recuperating, he participated in a Red Cross benefit with other daredevils by diving from a high building into a shallow tank of water, throwing aside his crutches, he says, to make the leap. All one sentence. Yeah, see, dead in body cast. Yeah, don't need crutches to fall, assholes. <laughs> Pretty sure I can find my way to the ground. <laughs> and again, I want to be clear, the phrasing, having been a professional former journalist, <clears throat> there's phrasing such as Fitzgerald claims, mm-hmm. or Fitzgerald then says he... Right. And here, the newspapers back then is just, oh, no. He devised new ideas for airplanes. He was successful yada, yada. until he fell out of a plane, <laughs> had to recuperate for a year. But while he was recuperating, he was in the hospital for a year, but he took a break from being in the hospital to jump off mm-hmm. a tall building into a shallow tank of water, tossing right. aside his crutches. Wait, then they he climbed back up, got his crutches, did the jump again with the crutches so he could walk back to the hospital, finish his uh, recovery. Who, who on earth... Would ever question you though? You're the you're the newspaper. This guy is telling it to you. Everybody assumes you did the research, especially back then. They have no met. What are they going to do? Go down to the newspaper office and ask for your proof? No, nobody's yeah. ever going to question this. You could do whatever you wanted. I found another thing uh, that was funny about this era is I, I found the article very very similar or exact in like five or six different newspapers. Like they would sort of do this, you know junk it i guess like so so every paper across the country would run more or less the same articles i guess they do that now you get these press releases and you rewrite it but i I thought it was funny they still did that 100 years ago yeah you could be a professional liar that's what i'm saying that was the part that was just the job that's how you are a professional liar you come up with a series of real good lies and then you just tell them to everybody (laughs) and these and then they give you a fucking plane and make you a sky cop you're like yeah sure these stories are always so it's so wonderful in the way that they're so like they just plow straight forward. There's no time yeah. when you stop and like address questions you know the reader probably has. Yeah, <laughs> like, what well, are the he plain ideas that he invented? Uh, yeah, exactly. Or did this they is become, important? Did they become anything? Did, no, that's not even its own sentence. That's not its own paragraph. Yeah. It's it's like five words in a sentence that's mostly about something else, and you just throw that out there. And this is why, like in the in the Simpsons, when they, like Grandpa Simpson would tell his old stories, and they would just go on and on and on, and it'd mm-hmm. be like, "Well, after taking a rocket to Louisiana, I did this," and and that was a joke because there were old timers who talked like this. They would just throw stuff out. And the thing is, some old timers had really crazy lives. Like this was an era when yeah. you know everybody's career starts with. Like I did, we did a column in Cracked years ago about Harlan Sanders, the the, the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy. Well, okay. he was a real life guy who had a crazy life. He, but it's it begins. You know, he's born in late in late eighteen ninety, same as Adventure Cop. And his biography is like, at age thirteen, he dropped out of school and joined the army. 
And then, yeah. then he quit, had four children, and then worked on the railroad, and then became an attorney. And it's like after being shot in a courtroom by a client, he became a cattle rancher. It's like everybody back then, you could just hop from railroad man to farmer to attorney to scientist to cop. It, it, there was like no training required for anything as far as I can tell. There's to no such thing. You can that's your application. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to be a Texas Ranger. I feel like you can taste the depth of this backstory in his uh, fried chicken sandwich, though. Yeah, it's, a, it's <laughs> like, an experienced chicken. Like it didn't go to waste. It's in there. Yeah. Harlan Sanders did not start Kentucky Fried Chicken until he was in his late 60s. That's like what he did in his retirement because he had done everything else. And just like every job ended him with him like getting fired or getting beaten up by a, a coworker or getting when he, he owned a gas station, got into a gunfight with a neighboring gas station. And again, I don't think for a gunfight. I don't think he was lying. I think that's just what life was like back then. So some of adventure <laughs> cop, some of what he's saying did happen. I don't doubt it because I don't, for yeah. example, I don't doubt back then, if you gave like a pilot, you know, say like, like a pilot, like a crop duster or whatever they were back then, if you offered him a bot- bottle of liquor to take you up in the sky and do something, I do not doubt for one second they they wouldn't even ask questions. Yeah, they would just not my it. problem if you fall off. I'll just you know I'll just land. Yeah, it's, yeah. Who cares? Because that's the thing about adventure cop is like the whole thing is he doesn't care if he dies because back then people really didn't seem to be scared of dying because everybody just died all the time just around you like. Like you were lucky to have lived this long in the first place. It's like die a dysentery or I could die a bean stunts. I know which one I choose. Exactly. Yeah. Easy it's... choice. There was another stunt they talk about where he, uh, he jumped a motorcycle onto a boat, uh, and completely biffed it, uh, like evil Knievel style. And another one where he drove a car off a bridge. And I found two articles describing this. I still don't know what the fuck happened. He threw the dummies out of the car on the way down, and then he Sorry. bailed out of the car. <laughs> so many questions, and you've skipped over everything. Yes, you jumped out. You jumped in the car, and you were airborne for so long. You threw three, three dummies out. Three dummies okay. out. To to quote the the clipping from the the comic book. Quote Fitz. They call him Fitz. Did everybody? I guess yeah. it doesn't matter. Just Fitz, nickname. Fitz was one of the first movie stuntmen. If that's true, that should be documented somewhere. Yeah, we should, he, have, we should be able yeah. to check he, that one, right? He should be in, like, in the Hollywood Stunt Performer Hall of Fame, right? Like, is he recognized you would think. in any way as, a, as an actual Hollywood stunt performer? I don't think so. <laughs> Fitz, I found no evidence of this. First quote, Fitz was one of the first movie stuntmen. Once, he drove an auto off a 90-foot bridge and threw three dummies out before jumping. No stunt was too dangerous for him. <laughs> Like, okay, no further explanation needed. Yeah. Readers back then read that and like, yes, I am satisfied that I know everything I need to know. About All of that the situation. pertinent information has been answered. I, I feel like anyone who's ever taken anything out of a car knows this to be impossible. Like, no matter how high that bridge is. Right, that's like especially 30 90 seconds of airtime. Yeah. And, uh, oh, also, what a fantastic it, liar. He's the best it liar. Seems, it seems like there should be a famous movie where, like, a car drives off a bridge and then hilariously three dummies fly out of it. Like, I feel like 
we would right, have seen he, that clip, right? That's why I'm saying what a fantastic lie is because he picked <laughs> something that by its very nature is provable. Like you yeah. have to prove this. You should be able to go on IMDb and search his name and find yeah. that movie. Like that's, you know, yeah. there's union stuff from People working in movies. love old timey like stunts that where they actually did that stuff. Every single one has gone viral on YouTube. Like, yeah, I've seen Buster Keaton fall through that stupid window a million times. I'm saying we should be sitting here talking about the time a car drove off a bridge and three dummies flew out. And then the and guy then jumped out. A real life human him. guy. And just <laughs> just fell to his death, I guess? Just fell to like another year in a body cast? Yeah, I, I guess you die falling 90 feet in a car. It's he didn't absurd. land it. He jumped out himself. Oh, it's it's so good. By the <laughs> way, this, this clipping where you learned about him jumping the motorcycle onto a a departing boat uh, off a dock onto a departing ferry or something. Uh-huh. It's the, again, the clipping is about something else. It's about how he started working as a construction worker. It's, yeah. <laughs> filmed That's in, the lead. Filmed him's most daring stunt flyer quits game, works with pick shovel, Long Beach, California, June 11th by cosmopolitan news service. It isn't as thrilling by any means, but by gosh, it's a whole lot safer, grinned Captain Charles N. Fitzgerald today as he dug a pick into the ground at a construction job. Charles Fitzgerald, up to a few months ago, was known as the world's most daring death defier, aerialist, and stunt, quote, man for film companies. One of Fitzgerald's stunts was to jump a motorcycle 45 feet from a ferry slip to a departing boat. It cost him six months in the hospital. That's it. That's the end of the... Yeah. No questions will be answered or asked from this point. That is thrown in in an aside about the fact that he has retired from retired from doing stunts. But two weeks after he got out of the hospital, he uh, dove from the airplane into the ocean and uh, was helpless for weeks. That's how the newspaper puts it. <laughs> helpless for weeks. They didn't I have do, any word I for like intensive like... care. To just <laughs> add some like legitimacy to to his claims, he would just be like. Man, that fucked me up. Oh, boy. Yeah, don't try that. Yeah, he Six never, months in a body He never cast. claimed to be invincible. He, he always <laughs> did. He always, part of his exaggeration was or how much very it good him. at it. Yeah. Yeah, because again. I really like, too, that uh, he delivered this line while, like, digging a hole with a pick. He's like, it's a whole lot safer, grinned Captain Charles, while he drove a pick into the land. It's like, there's no way... They interviewed him while he was, like, literally digging a hole, right? No. <laughs> like, even the newspaper men are like, you know, let's embellish this a little bit. Let's, wait, let's make this scene a little more cinematic. It's just all, it's all funny to me. Just a whole world of lies the way that they all lived in. Because the, the audience, like, they demanded whimsy. Like, they weren't going to question it. There was no effort to even, ex- you know, like, expound on the details because that would only... It's like, no, I, I just, it's it's like, you know, the legend of Billy the Kid and all the crazy things he did. It, it's or George Washington chopping down the cherry tree. Like, it's all just legend. We don't care. Right. Was there even such a thing as a skeptic? What's that like? Can you imagine an old-timey skeptic? I can't even picture it. I can't picture, like, a guy in, guy in a fedora and an old-timey suit being like, I don't buy it, see? I just, I, I can't do it. Um. Here's all the reasons that you can't throw three dummies out of a car. <laughs> They'd fucking hate that they, guy. They'd, They'd just kill you. They would murder you right or, out. Or even having another professional stunt person say, 
you understand that the point of being a professional stunt person is not that you destroy yourself you just go out there and destroy your body the the point is you you actually train yourself and you arrange the stunt so you do not get hurt unless it goes wrong like then you could do more than two in your life if you just (laughs) jump off a bridge into a hundred feet of water and break every bone in your body that's literally not a stunt (laughs) you just you just did that you just did that literally anyone on earth can do that and break every bone in their body the point of a stunt man is that they're they do it and they bob to the surface and they're okay or with maybe some minor bruises or whatever like but he was just like hardly ever okay. That's my favorite part of this. He's just like he's he's not good at it. I was no good at it, but I kept trying. Yeah, like if it, like David Blaine when he switched from doing up close street magic to doing like his stunts where he put himself in like a block of ice or whatever. If every time he just had to like go to the hospital for a year because he destroyed <laughs> right. several parts of his body, it's like well, what, why did you do that? What were you, what were you trying it, to like, prove other than that you just wanted attention? And and that was a successful trick because you did it and you lived. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, not dying because even in his Hollywood stunts, like no movie company is going to boast that. Oh yeah, this, this our stunt man. We we you just chucked himself into the river and went to the had to go to the hospital for six months afterward. It's like no, not even back then did did movie companies work that way. I don't think because you kind of need those people to come back and do more stunts for other scenes. Yeah, I think human life had some value back then. Enough that you it had just... financial value. Like if you're shooting a picture, you can't have your sure. like sacrificing. Like you know, and who paid his hospital bills? I know that granted, a six month stay in the hospital is only like thirteen dollars back then, but still, somebody had to pay it. Yeah, I also feel like if you took a guy who say was like a you know convicted murderer and just threw him off a bridge for a movie, I think even back then people would have like an ethical issue with that. Like hmm. you can't just you can't just murder people for a movie. I don't know. It's not a bad idea. Now that I say it out loud, it's yeah. not a bad idea. Yeah. I and I will. Get, was... I feel like instead of lethal injection, uh, someone on death row could ask for death by spectacular stunt. I, I yeah, think you get a lot of takers. I would absolutely and do that. I will admit. I movies this is, get a little dark. This is admitting some possible racism on my part. But the first time I saw the movie The Raid Redemption, <laughs> I thought they have killed stuntmen to make this. <laughs> yeah, like there's is, one dude that falls a, f- a floor onto like a railing and like snaps his spine, and it doesn't look CGI. And I'm just like, how? How did they do that? Did yeah. they just kill that guy? Well, yeah. I mean, Jackie yeah. Chan does outtakes where people basically die. Like, yeah. Eight times. <laughs> so I don't think it's that racist when they they actually film it and show well, you. Like, yeah, this this person just broke their neck doing this motorcycle stunt. Because the movie's from Indonesia, and I, was, I literally had the thought, like, is it possible that there they're allowed to just chuck people off a railing? It? But you know, obviously, no. They they worked very hard to, to make it appear that that guy cracked himself in half. But Great job. There's a spot you see a lot in Hong Kong movies where a guy will fall from the second uh, story and hit a table on the first floor, and it just looks like nothing other than like a death. Like... Yeah. Every time I see it, I'm like, that dude's dead. Yeah. But it must it must work because I've seen that exact stunt so many times. Anyway. Uh there's another thing I loved about um the next story in uh Charles Fitzgerald's life story. He says he did character acting also in Western studios, and I'm quoting the newspaper here. Found his emotions were becoming stagnant and took to parachute jumping in Oregon. Now he formed a team called Gadaya, Gadaya, and Fitzgerald. And this was just him and two brothers named Gadiah, and they just were parachute jumpers. I don't know what that means. 
I don't even think they had stunt shoots back then, so you would just sort of jump out of a plane and land wherever the wind took you. So they uh, barely had happened? planes back then. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've established there was one. But so, like, you could just climb up a building. I mean I can't believe somebody had invented parachutes by this point. I thought that was much later. <laughs> I thought that was like a World War II era thing. Well, they're no. probably the first guy that just straight fell out of a plane, which might have been Charles Fitzgerald, was like, hmm, <laughs> we should work on that. <laughs> Let's try it's it It's like priority number two after inventing plane. I'll hold a bean in each hand. <laughs> in six months in the hospital. We Guys, the beans didn't work. Putting a, putting a bean in a kerchief and throwing it off a roof. I was like, eh, that'll work. The kind of kerchief you use to pinch the wiggler. <laughs> so uh, here's what happened with that parachute company. Uh, the Elder Gadiah. Hold on. Can we rewind to, to how they, his emotions had become <laughs> yeah. stagnated. They were becoming <laughs> stagnant. I guess yeah. that means bored. He's just like. Emotions became stagnant <laughs> within me because I wasn't dying constantly. Yeah. Being a cowboy. Yeah. Anyway, he has him. a three-person. This is a great story. We need to let Sean. Yes. We had a three-person so, parachuting team. I'm, I'm quoting the newspaper. The elder Gadiah presently passed on by biting through the teeth strap by which he was suspended in a parachute descent. Which means these guys were par- the stunts they were doing was like hanging by their mouths and shit, and it did not work. <laughs> by biting. <laughs> wait, he he bit through the teeth strap. By which he was suspended. That's what the newspaper says. That's the beginning and the end of everything we know about the stunt in which this man yeah, died. You understand, uh, Robert? You have many questions about this. You're never <laughs> going to get them, answers none to them. Of them will ever be answered. <laughs> These guys just, are the masters pressing... of no follow-up questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I have lessons to learn from the gurus here. Just my, if you're hanging, the stunt is that I'm going to hang from a strap from this uh-huh. parachute. The yes. one thing you would want to test is. Am I going to bite through that strap? Will it, will it hold up to human teeth? <laughs> Could I just bite straight through it? And they did not test that. And just got up there and was like, "What? oh, this is just jerky. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and I again, also feel like a, a parachute jumping team doesn't have a huge budget to replace your teeth strap every time. <laughs> just just <laughs> nod through it. <laughs> and again, for, as I stated at the top, Charles Fitzgerald is amazing for two separate reasons. One, if this really happened... It's incredible. If this is a lie that Charles Fitzgerald told, it's even better. Yes. Why would you say this? Like, did Gaudia and Gaudia, the other two, did they ever even exist? Because I know the story is going to continue, which is, I want I want the listeners to keep that in mind as we explain how the rest of this played out. A, yeah. if it really happened. B, if it's something he just told a reporter to explain something worse. But right. lied to cover that. Well, I'll let you make the, be the call. Uh, uh, here it comes. That left the team uh, as Godiah and Fitzgerald after the first guy died. In a short while, the second Godiah met his fate by landing on live electric wires, and that <laughs> left only Fitzgerald. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> End of story. Were there charges trouble elsewhere? Was there they a lawsuit? Did, did this happen on camera? Did this happen from an audience? Was this part of a, a paid show? Was it part of a movie stunt? Yeah. Do did we know the movie? watch this guy fall into electric wires and die? Did they get him down? Yeah. If it if it happened, did they just leave know, him there for for a film shoot? Did this you know what was the movie? Did, did the studio get in trouble? Nope. Nope. End of sentence. Sorry. No Knocked out half the Western Seaboard. 
These, I think, were probably the dummies, in quotes, that he threw out of that car. And this is the story he used <laughs> to cover for that. Just a, It escalated over time until it became a three-man parachuting team. What if he was just a traveling serial killer and he kills these two brothers and he's like, oh, yeah, they were my uh, parachute jump partners. And, um, oh, yeah, that guy, I electrocuted him for several days. I mean, he fell into the power lines. This guy chewed through his tooth strap. He, he what? And his what? Is that not, a- not his basement restraint strap, his parachute tooth strap. <laughs> None of these are things. <laughs> so now uh, we've come to the point in Charles Fitzgerald's life where he wants to get sent to the moon. And at, the at way the this... point in every man's life. The, every man's life. Now, the way this happened, I did a lot of research on this. Uh, I found a book in 2001 uh, about Sputnik, the uh, about the space race, and some dude named uh, Professor Goddard sort of speculated like what it would take to send something to the moon way back in this era, like 1910s. And he was like, uh, we don't have the math for it. Like the moon is spinning, the earth is spinning, we're all rotating. Uh, you'd have to shoot the bullet so hard that whatever is inside the bullet would melt and your bullet would probably melt. I'll take melt. that challenge. Yes. So... So this is just a dude wildly speculating on how difficult it would be to send something to the moon. And he was right. It, it's hard. But um, at the technology they had at the time, it would have been like shooting a cannon at the moon. And because, uh, of course, we did have jets and thrusters and things like that. And so people heard this and were like, I want to go to the moon because, as Jason has mentioned, like life back then sucked so hard that a spectacular death was the best you could hope for. So just hearing the idea that a moon trip was possible so many people all around the world were just like, yes, yeah, sign me up. I will be in it. And Charles Fitzgerald like made it his fucking life's mission. And I found several articles where he's just like proudly saying how he'll go to the moon. And it, there became sort of an arms race of who had the fewest demands. Like one guy was like uh, an Air Force guy. And he's like, I'll go to the moon if you can prove to me that you can do it first in a rocket. And there's a two-way radio. And Charles Fitzgerald is like, that guy fucking sucks. I'll do it. Just stick me in the ball. I'll fucking detonate against the moon. Show I'll, me I'll that be a bean, bean can make it. Yes. <laughs> he wasn't Don't even, even asking the bean. that. <laughs> he outgrown his, his foolish bean phase. I can't believe I was such a coward testing it on a bean. And what was really funny to me is that I, I found uh, some articles from Goddard later about how pissed off he was that he became the moonball guy. Because he's like, dude, I was trying to explain how hard it was. I didn't, I'm not fucking building a moonball. Why is everyone <laughs> writing me letters about moonballs? My emotions have stagnated. Fire me at the moon. Uh, so that was him. Uh, he he lobbied to get shot to the moon. Obviously, did not happen. Or maybe it did, and he didn't tell you anyone. Don't for, you don't know because he didn't he, even have a radio. He disappeared. He disappears yeah. at the end of this story. So I choose to believe he got fired at the moon. The comic book speculated. I, I couldn't find any information on this, but the comic book I originally found um, said he was a, the last they heard. And that's a quote. What he was a, a cop in a South American city. Last we heard, yeah, last we heard, and it heard they heard he was doing great, but uh, I could not find this information. Uh, so that's it. That's all we know is that one comic book ad claimed that he moved to South America and became a, I, I guess, a Brazilian cop, a Argentinian cop. Well, no, I don't know. They claim they heard that somebody they, they yeah. just like they like overheard that somewhere. We're like, oh, good for him. I'll put that in the newspaper. <laughs> sure, but uh, in real life, found nothing. No obituaries. Uh, I think maybe Goddard, just to get everyone to shut the fuck up, put him in a moon ball and detonate him against the sky. And, so. that, and we're, it, we just got to find him. That's our next big moon trip. We got to go up He's there. Up there. And we got to 
find his glorious corpse <laughs> somehow with still just a ragingly erect boner. Because you know. Absolutely. You know fired from that moon ball. He was just rock hard the whole time. There's a big crater and then a smaller crater from his dick crater. <laughs> uh, one thing, I guess now thinking back, that he mentioned he had all these great ideas for airplanes. What I wouldn't pay to see his ideas <laughs> for airplanes he came up with in his time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm scrolling through your article. And there's this final clipping. I guess I don't know if it's the final clipping, but it's while he's in the middle of insisting he go to the moon, I guess he did a photo shoot where he danced on a girder for a yeah. while and it's a it's a photo of him laying across like keeping himself pinned to a girder high above the streets below with like his ankles and smiling at the camera and the caption is <clears throat> can't the charles and fitzgerald aerialist and daredevil who is in command of new york's air police performed daring and thrilling stunts on top of one of new york's new skyscrapers he's in uniform in this photo by the way that fairly raised the hair of persons watching from Broadway, hundreds of feet below him, dancing and walking out on narrow, narrow steel girders, hanging by his hands, standing on his head, and other thrilling stunts, were nonchalantly gone through by Captain Fitzgerald, quote, just to keep in trim, unquote, he said. <laughs> I don't doubt it. His, hey, hey. His, his agility and daring made even the most hardened iron workers at work on the building gasp. Captain Fitzgerald's home is in Texas. The accompanying photograph shows him pulling some of his hair-raising stunts. Broadway can be seen far below. So, uh -huh. I have 800 questions about this. One, he lives in Texas. Two, he's the captain of the New York's Air Police still at this uh -huh. time. Sure. Three, he had, they apparently did not care if in uniform he went and just walked around on this building, this construction tower that... They were still working on. They didn't like close it down for the stunt. He just went out there while the iron workers were trying to build the building and started dancing right. around with no and, wires or and to them, or anything. He would just seem like a really bad iron worker. They're like, "Yeah, dude, that, we built that so you could walk on it, not stand on your head on it, but like you're doing high stinks monkey bars. Like this isn't danger." I guess Imagine. my point is, it's not at all clear to me what his actual profession was in this moment right. in time. Liar. Was he on the clock? <laughs> Did the New York City Police Department know he was on their... Was he on their payroll? Was it like okay, just... No, there's no way. There's no way he was actually... Yeah. He showed up with a uniform and possibly a stolen plane. Mm -hmm. Who would ever question that? And at this time, when they're like, well... You got to have cops for the sky, right? And they're like, I, I, yeah, I guess so. That's me. I'm your sky cop. That's the end of the story. Well, no, no policeman would ever question that. They'd be like, huh, well, you do have a plane. Not Nobody to bring has up, a plane. Not to bring up Steven Seagal again on this podcast, because I know what, he comes up a lot. But <laughs> is it possible it was like a publicity thing where he like, they like made him like an honorary policeman just for like these publicity photos and stuff as like uh, to connect with the kids or whatever because i'm sure that at the time airplanes had to have seemed like the cool thing everybody right so is it like that thing where steven seagal got to be like an honorary deputy of wherever that was for that tv show right I, it's possible i feel like this might be your brain trying to like find a way to make this outrageous lie reasonable when in re you think he just had that outfit you think he just had that costume 
I think I mean, he possibly killed a policeman and took it. Because <laughs> <laughs> he called himself a cop in tons and tons of newspaper articles. You would think real New York City police, like even if there were no rules back then, you would think that other actual New York City cops would find that annoying. Now they're all, all the civilians will expect me to do this shit. I'm going to do a headstand <laughs> on top of a building for you. Yeah, if he was on the clock and he Bunch saw a crime, like a coward. while he's doing a headstand, like what is? Does he have to go fight that crime? I mean, I'd argue that he is. He'd have to. Yeah, it's absurd. Well, we we do have to pause for a second now and remind our listeners to Google Steven Seagal eating a carrot. Uh, we have mentioned <laughs> him. It is the law. And we'll just wait here while you enjoy that. There you go. I guess I missed the first time this final panel on the bottom right. When when last heard of, the fabulous cop was chief of police at a South American city doing an excellent <laughs> job. Yep. Look at the drawing. Look how mad his boss looks at him. Which Which I thought that was him. Oh, I thought that was him. I thought that he was talking to a reporter. That he, I thought he, the oh, guy think, with the... I thought he was like taking notes on how to... How to speak Spanish, I guess. <laughs> He's like, what do you want? Boss, I don't speak English. He's like, no, you got to get out. We need more planes on the force. <laughs> and here's my ideas for planes. A, f- a giant fin on the outside so we can take them into the water. A chainsaw on the front. Just a big ball that you fire at the moon. I invented it first. Three ropes on the bottom with teeth straps. I Strong guess. teeth straps. I watched a good friend die on a weak tooth strap. <laughs> I guess the thing is with him falling off the ma- off the map the way he did. It's not. It's not that he stopped doing stunts. It's that he stopped lying, and that's what I can't. Like he has to have died because I can't see why he wouldn't have continued making things up right. until he was old and gray. Because why not? Like like why not claim that you're. You're going to go to the moon. Why not claim that you're training to go to the moon? Why not claim that you built a rocket and accidentally launched yourself from Florida to New Hampshire and you I stumbled out into a field and spent six months in the hospital? Uh, <laughs> like it, but the fact that it just or abruptly king stops. Of the it just abruptly stops is so ominous. And I, I have to think he just died of tuberculosis or something. I don't know. It, yeah, maybe. I, I like to think he was... Shattered against the sky by a, a moonball launcher. Yeah, that's that's what I choose to believe. That's what gives me hope. I fully do understand why people have nostalgia for the olden days, even though I none of us would willingly go back and live there. I, I assume no one on this podcast would willingly go back and live in 1915 or whenever this guy was active. Probably um, not. I absolutely... The amount of freedom... People seem to have back then is really something, and I get that everybody died before they were twenty-eight, but uh, I don't know. It's there's a type of resume you could put together that you just really can't now, unless you're a truly remarkable person. But everything was just so new back then, and there were just when I say there were no rules. You know, there was no such thing as like photo ID. There was right. you just showed up and you told somebody like all this. I'm an air that, cop. Yeah, like people joined the army at age 13. You just showed up and said you were you were 18. Like that was it. There was no central database they could work yeah. against. This is why 
going back, if, if you are like a true crime, crime enthusiast, if you go back far enough to like the Jack the Ripper era, you realize that was an era when they didn't like keep track of what crimes had happened. Like we don't know to <laughs> this day. Happened. What's the point? If we we don't know to this day if Jack the Ripper was actually a guy or if it was just a bunch of murderers who because there were so many people killing sex workers back then that you just and somebody and like the media kind of hyped it up like oh there's one monster doing it when in reality it could have been like thirteen different right. guys just mur- because it, you could just murder sex workers back then and life the world was a nightmare. Truly um, a better time. More freedom. Well, it, well, that's the thing. I see why they romanticize it. Because, again, the actual reality was hell. Like, the, rea- the reality is these people were living in squalor and, and all yeah, that. Yeah, the reality is you're the sex worker. Yeah, you're getting yeah you're getting murdered or else you're a starving child and London and streets were just filled with literal... Your sister is crushed by just some moonball out of nowhere. <laughs> nobody aimed it right. See, but I, I can... feel like if I went back to 1915, I could be 1915's Frank Dukes. Like, I could tell everyone about the secret oriental karate tournament that I won using secret techniques I couldn't show anybody. I, I could easily they do that. believe that, yeah. Because even the basics of the lie, they didn't seem to interrogate. Like, like, like forget yeah. about the fact, like, hey, I can't find any evidence where this stunt occurred. Or, or can you give me the name of this pilot so I can talk to him? Because back then, <laughs> right. nobody had phones. Like, I get that. But even when you're, they, he was relaying his story to a reporter, and the story conflicts itself in mid sentence. Mm-hmm. Even the act of asking the follow up question was apparently considered bad etiquette back then. So yeah. when you would go around and say, "Oh yeah, I was in this kumite, and I, you know, in order to win the tournament, I had to fight 163 people or whatever," which I think well, it's closer what, to like 85 quadrillion yeah it's it's yeah it's more humans than have ever existed or ever yeah. will exist somehow <laughs> because you yourself didn't even bother to construct your lie all that carefully right. yeah there was apparently a time where unless it was like a really like i guess any local newspaper they just they, they just they weren't going to spend the six weeks it would take to drive around the the country or to to take a ship to wherever you claim this tournament happened and go interview people there. That just wasn't going to happen. So it's like, hey, you're you're why would he just lie? Why would somebody just say something like that if it wasn't true? Exactly. It just feels like such an innocent, wild time that I don't know. It, it's you say that, but Bloodsport was like 1989. Like right. <laughs> Yeah, we believed see, it. The guy got a movie. Recently. They put that on film. <laughs> we elected Donald Trump president of the United States. Like you could still lie fantastically in Bigley. Yeah, but it's it's harder now. And it was just it was so easy then. It was so it was such a beautiful and easy time. And I know there's like yeah. Dave Chappelle has a bit in his stand up where like back then if you wanted to abandon your life, like if you left your <laughs> wife and kids, you just had to go like one town over. Right. And you were just gone from the universe because there was no that was it. There was no way to just yeah. say a different name. And and that that's it. I'm a yeah, different guy now. You literally could just show up and just be somebody else. That was the yeah. What am I gonna do? Check? What's she gonna go do go through your phone? Man, you could get away with everything. Just really mundane schemes. That's the dream. I, I think I talked myself into it. <laughs> yep. Let's go back in time. Let's go back and be Frank Dukes in 1915 and just cheat on our wives like crazy. I'm going to be fucking Charles Fitzgerald. I'm taking all of this. 
but you even in this story you can see where it comes back to bite this other guy the the moonball guy who was just trying to put this out there as a hypothetical but it's like no you're in a realm of whimsical liars you now have to claim to have a moonball <laughs> back yes. then it's like somebody's gonna just build one of these and they're in a field behind their house and launch themselves to the moon like there, there were tons of science fiction stories where that's what people were doing they were just making their own rocket in a barn mm -hmm. and going to the moon in it because nobody knew and they probably had people telling them like oh yeah i i made, i built one i got halfway there came back yeah it got got cold and then that's so why i just turned it around <laughs> came back home but yeah. i got about halfway to the moon mm -hmm. it's like all and right just leaned yeah. on it the right way that seems like a thing around. you could that seems like a thing somebody could do why not moon's right moon's right there i can see it in the sky but every time you say that you got the godard curse we're just Hundreds of men come to you to die. Right. They'd be lined up at your farm. We want the moon ball. We want the moon ball. Yeah, because we did. did Kill we me, it, coward. Did we make it clear <laughs> earlier that there was no way these shots to the moon were going to come back? Yeah, right. no, no, they, nobody had a plan for nobody, anything. Nobody thought they would survive that. I just no possible. There was no like, I'm going to land it and then do something. Like, he didn't even have a, a second part of that. He said, shoot yeah. me to the moon. Obviously, that's the end. Yeah, like fire me out of a, gi a giant cannon to the moon. And I know there's not another cannon on the moon to he fire me He made it 100% clear he did not expect to return. He was like, I will be dedicating my life to science. He more or less said those exact words that this is to advance all of mankind. Shoot me at the moon and watch me die. <laughs> you will have no way of knowing if I arrive there unless looking through your best telescope, you see the tiny little puff of dirt from me hitting the <laughs> Somebody's sister is killed by an errant moon ball. <laughs> right. It'd probably go like 100 yards up and just land on somebody's farmhouse. Yeah. Which again, Cheese it. Yeah. <laughs> you just run off. They would never solve that crime. Well, before we go, Jason, is there anything you'd like to plug and or pitch? Uh, yeah, still just have the last book called Zoe Punches the Future in the Dick, wherever books are sold. Also started a Substack blog slash newsletter at jasonpargen.substack.com i had originally it's thought great. those for were just for people who had been like fired from major newspapers or whatever and then wanted <laughs> to do like articles about cancel culture but uh no it turns out lots of lots of people have them so there you go yeah it's great it's like the old days jason jason pargen articles on the internet and you've uh recently written several articles for us well three uh, I have two of which a trilogy of one nine hundred yeah. hot dog articles. One, I think, maybe two of them at least will be up by the time yeah, two this of them will be airs. Up. Uh, they have a theme, uh, and I could just briefly. The first one is about a, my one of my favorite old internet videos, which is a man who breaks up a pair of mating horses by kicking the male, male horse <laughs> in the penis, and then leads That's the horse so away magical. and continues kicking it in the penis for reasons. There's an we'll, observation you made in that that cracked me up so hard about like the guy who drives the horse like stoically looks away once the like penis kicking begins <laughs> like, yeah it doesn't just, run over there I can't like, witness this. like hey if this is like calmly turns away it's like hey this is not this is between that guy and the, the, the horse uh and again why he continues kicking it we'll we'll never know that's uh, i detail that in the article he maybe needed a couple of cool down kicks such a mystery um, but it's great. The guy did not know he was not, it's not a fetish thing. He didn't know he was being filmed It's something he started doing. No one asked him to do it. Uh, this is not a thing you do to, to stop a horse from mating with another horse. Please don't go out and try it. But anyway, now, this was, 
this was not in the article, but have you considered that he was trying to finish the horse off to like just like cool down the whole situation? Could have had real soft supple shoes, just brand new leather. He just knew this. This is what works for me. <laughs> is it possible it was an aggressive foot job? The uh, second article is about, which is probably it will definitely be up when this goes up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, is about the ancient Romans' practice of decorative penises in like in jewelry and pins, and they dangled them from their homes and like little wind chimes. And I mean, actual like penises, elaborate winged penises, usually that often had themselves a penis and appendages that and were like also penises. Scorpion tail penises. Yes, they're so nightmarish. Was a whole thing. It was a part of their religious beliefs, uh, and I dig into. From there, try using that to understand why I found the horse penis kicking video funny. <laughs> they, these all tie together. And the third one, which is probably not up when this no, goes live. Um, I won't spoil it other than to say that it involves an elderly woman biting a camel in the scrotum. The, the Dong Trilogy. Do you have a better name the, for it? I don't think you're going to top that. Jason's Dong Saga. And now something to pitch. Uh, what are your thoughts on who you would be if you went back to 1915, armed with your ability to know that everyone will believe all your lies? What's the life you build for yourself turn of the century? I think all of my lying energy would just be to get out of work. I think that they would that they, they would have me try, because they would put me to work in a stable or something. Certainly no mm-hmm. podcast back then. You know, the only radio shows were people like reading like Bible scripture or, or whatever. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, you, you don't know. want that job. So, uh, you know, and I certainly cannot be a writer back then. So, no, I would I would be it would be like, oh, well, do you want to work on the farm or, or work on the docks? And I'd have to just continually like make up ailments that i have i guess i i i don't know uh i, no, I, I can't work for the next six months i i jumped a car off a 90 foot bridge and threw three men out before it landed well that's the thing i worry that i would have been a con artist because con artists like that was the golden age of the con yeah. artist like you could just ride the rails into a town and just sell them like a freaking jug of water that would give them eternal life and they would give you three hens and a cow for it and Won't you could work just for a week and then hop on the train. Hop on the train. They would. They had yeah. no way of tracking you down. the The police had no way of tracking you down, and you would just as and long all as you, have you to do were, is make the water about something embarrassing. Like this will make your dong bigger. Boom! No one will ever complain that their dong's still tiny. Uh, yeah, anything, anything they were in, whatever the they 90s. were insecure about back then. Uh, that you know, yeah, if you've got a daughter who's who's fourteen and not married yet, that's all. Get her married off or whatever their concerns were at the time. And I worry that's who I would have been because my ability just to think yeah. up the craziest things on the fly. Like if anyone asked me how it works, I'd be like, wow, it's it's moon dust. I went to the moon in a, in a ball that I made in my my uncle made. We I'll give you this guy's number. Check it out with him. He loves talking about it. <laughs> I did read about it. But yeah, I think I would be a professional liar. Now that I've said it, I, I think I would be a professional liar or some sort of like a cult leader or something. I, I, okay. It, they both sound really fun. And I think you'd be great at them. It's not too late. It's, it's true. That always ends one way, which is you finally get stabbed to death in a town where they you accidentally visit the same a town a second time, and they recognize you, and they they come and and gut you in a bar. Right, but yeah. you're you're dying of dysentery, or you're dying of being gutted by an angry town. That's so. true because 
you like leave yourself open to other liars. Like anytime someone's selling snake oil, some guy could come up and say, I'm, I just moved here from another town. I know this guy. His thing didn't work. Like you just got killed by a liar, whether or not your snake oil works. Like that's, I guess that's the true weakness. It's, it's like a gun. Liar, liar Highlander. Yeah. Liar Highlander. Yeah. So that's, that's our pitch. Liar Highlander. Lylander. Yeah, you're right. That's better. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. It's a podcast canals. Und mit maximalem Schau. Doc Frankfurt podcast. Correct. Yeah. The craft is nicht trapped, is nicht ohne. Schickt in the Hunde zone. Fior and a stunde. Come, John. You can't see no more. One nine hundred hot dog wages war with the help of an elite fighting squad. On demolitions, it's Three Finger Louie, Adam Ruth, Adrian H, Aiden Moet, Alpha Sciences Chavo, Armando Nava, Benjamin Cyranin, Brandon Garlock, Brianne Whitney, Chase McPherson, Children of the Meat Millie, Dan Bush, the artist formerly known as Devin, David Ford of Dean Costello, Doctor Awkward. Eric Spaulding, Haraka, Jaber Al Aiden, Jamie Gordon, Jeremy Neal, John, John McCammon, Josh Fabian, and Josh S. Ken Paisley, Lyman, Matt Cortez, Matt Riley, Michael Rader, Mike Stiles, Moju, Neil Bailey, Neil Schaefer, Nick Ralston, Nick H., Polly Poisewo, Rhea, Rich Joslin, Timmy Leahy, Toasty God, Yosarian, Zachary Evans, and Zadarfan. On communications, intelligence, tactical, the vehicle pool, and karate research, it's Patrick Herbst, who has just requested a transfer to demolitions.